Hey everybody, welcome back to Steve's NRL 40 Tips for Representative Round 2022. I'm your host, Stephen Westway. Great to be here as always. As I record on a Friday afternoon, we are just over 48 hours away from State of Origin Game 2 in Perth. And the question remains, can the New South Wales Blues tie the series up, win this game of footy, and take the decider up there to Suncorp Stadium in Brisbane in two and a half weeks' time? Obviously, Game 1 didn't go the Blues' way. They went down 16-10 to in a tight four contest in Sydney. Since then, New South Wales coach Brad Fittler has rung in the changes. The likes of Regan Campbell-Gillard, Ryan Madison, Katoni Staggs, Tariq Sims have all found themselves dropped, and Jack Wyden has found himself unavailable due to COVID-19. The replacements include Sasifa Talakai, Matt Burden, Angus Crichton, Jay Trorovic, so and Abby Corusier as well, who will be starting the game, and Damien Cook has found himself reverted to the bench in the hooker position. So there's plenty of changes there for New South Wales. Some people have, you know, claimed that it's panic stations there for the New South Wales Blues. I was really disappointed with how they played in game one. I thought that, you know, Queensland just out in Fusden, they had more heart than us. They just wanted the game more than us, and it looked like the Blues were approaching that origin more as a club game. And, you know, under Billy Slater's leadership, and, you know, he's a a coach that knows all about winning as a player on the footy field. I think he got the most out of the selections that he chose. He chose a young side, and guys like Jeremiah Nenai, Ruben Cotter, and Patrick Carrigan all stood out and really led Queensland to that upset victory in Game 1. Will it be a different story in Game 2? We're going to preview that game today on Steve's NRL Footy Tips, but we are already a little bit through the representative round as we record this on Friday. We've seen the Lebanon side beat Malta on Thursday night, and probably an unappreciated, unpublicized game. But, you know, one that's important because the World Cup is coming out at the end of the year. It's going to be a tournament where you hope some of these lower-tier nations can, you know, at least compete with some of these big nations. So the more football that these international teams are playing, the better it is for rugby league at the end of the day. And last night we also saw both uh, women and men state of origin under-19s games. New South Wales Blues won both of those games. They were big victors in the men. I think it was 32-4, to four, the final score. And um, in in the women's under-19s game, they it was a you know back-and-forth game. I believe the Blues ended up winning it 22-6, to six, but there was a 110-meter try, which is just incredible stuff by, um, I believe it's Young Taylor there for the Blues. It was just length of the field stuff. Jada Taylor, the fullback there. So... Um, you know, huge victors, the Blues. Let's hope they can carry that momentum as a, you know, a Blues fan as well, heading into Game 2 in Perth, the main event on Sunday night. But as I mentioned, there's a few other games this weekend, some representative football as teams gear up for the World Cup. New Zealand are named a particularly strong team, so as Tonga, they're going to go uh, face-to-face on it. Saturday night, we've also got Papua New Guinea in action, um, Fiji, Samoa. So it's going to be a good weekend of football, despite the fact that there is no NRL and one of the games that I'm most excited for is the Women's State of Origin, which is tonight um, between, you know, the biggest stars of the NRLW. So that's going to be exciting as well. I believe the Blues won last year, so they're going to be going for two in a row in 2022. We're saying all that and saying how exciting this weekend of football is because it is representative round. It does have to be said that I've probably been, you know, out of... Every week this year, I've probably been the most tuned out of rugby league this week. I've kind of avoided a lot of the 
you know, the TV shows with the journos talking about their rubbish like NRL 360, which I can enjoy on occasion, but sometimes, you know, they they seem to go on. And uh, these international games, while they're exciting for the future of rugby league, I do find, I feel, feel like the NRL needs to find a way to have these games be a fixture of the season, but also have NRL every week. Because if you're stopping and starting the season, it makes the NRL at this point in the season for that period of a month or two while State of Origin is going seem less important and that's not what we want to do. With the Dolphins coming into the competition in 2023, it gives the NRO an opportunity to have more games per week, especially when there's going to be a buy every week because there's an odd number of teams. You're not going to have these weekends of four games around and then no NRO because State of Origin is moving back to Wednesday as well. So there's an opportunity there for the NRO to really... You know, fix this part of the season, keep it more engaging for fans while also not neglecting these uh, big international contests and obviously the women's game and the under-19 games in terms of state of origin footy as well. So it's just about finding a balance. I hope the NRL gets there because, as I mentioned, it just feels a little bit stagnant at the moment. I'm very excited for state of origin football. I mean, it's one of the most exciting parts of my calendar year. Even though the Blues are training the series 1-0, it's always... You know, a time of the year that's full of excitement. You see some of the best football that you see all season. But, yeah, I think there's got to be some improvement made in the infrastructure of how this part of the season is constructed. And I think the NRL's got, you know, all the tools to, to make it a, a better period of time for the game in 2023. All right. In saying that, there was no NRL this weekend, but I still have my team of the week from last week. And we recap round 15 I did predict seven out of eight games correctly. And the game that I got incorrect, I was actually at the game last Thursday night at Wynn Stadium when the St. George or Dragons down the South Sydney Rabbitohs 32 to 12. And, you know, it was uh, it was a terrible performance by South Sydney. The Dragons were up 32 nil after 20 minutes. It was unbelievable stuff. I went into that game as a South Sydney fan with my Dragons fan, um, my mate, who's a Dragons fan, Matt Cosseroo, who's been on the show plenty of times before. And I did not see a scenario where the Rabbitohs lost that game, but I was shocked because we were poor and they were fantastic and they made us suffer. Um, that was a big surprise for the week. The Bulldogs continued their resurgent form with a dominant victory over the West Tigers, 36-20. to The Raiders got out of trouble late against the Newcastle Knights after they faded in the second half again, but they won that game 20-18 to due to a last-minute um, Hudson Young try and we had to, a game of the season between the Parramatta Eels and the Sydney Roosters the Eels coming up in that game 26-16 to as I mentioned this is still a very important time of the season for all these teams and teams like the Manly Seagulls who went to narrowly um, after winning you know being in the lead by 14 points with 15 minutes to go against the Cowboys the Cowboys came back and scored three tries in the last eight minutes to win that game 28-26 to uh, 26. but you know, these are the times of the year where some of these teams that are in contention for the top eight need to scrape these wins yet. As we look at the, the ladder right now, we see in seventh place, well, in sixth place, Parramatta, they're on 20 points. They're well clear in terms of this finals race. They'll be there. But seventh and eighth, both on 16 points, the Rabbitohs and St. George after the Dragons, you know, humiliated the Rabbitohs last Thursday night. But then in ninth, 10th, and 11th, you've got the Roosters, Manly and Canberra all on 14 points. So those last two spots in the top eight are well and truly up for grabs. But this part of the season is really important to get some form heading into the, you know, the home run, especially when all the 
All the teams are going to be boosted by their Origin Stars being back into regular first grade in a few weeks when State of Origin 3, you know, concludes. And, you know, for these teams that are just in the fight, teams like Manly and Canberra that don't have a huge amount of representative stars, they need to make sure that they get enough wins on the board to remain competitive during this uh, State of Origin period because the teams that they're going to be playing are, are going to be ready to uh, end the season on a high note. So they need to scrape out as many wins as they can as quickly as they can. So um, it's going to be an interesting couple months of football to see who gets those last two positions in the top eight later. Likewise, who's going to get the wooden spoon? I know there's plenty of contenders for that with Gold Coast, the Tigers, not really, you know, the Bulldogs because they've won a few games now and starting to hit some real good form under Mick Potter. But team like the Warriors, all under huge pressure in terms of, um, you know, getting that monkey off their back and, and winning a few games of football to avoid the bottom of the ladder. And it's going to be compounded with the Warriors' return to New Zealand next Sunday where they face the West Tigers. The Warriors versus the Tigers, that could be a battle for the Wooden Spoon this year, potentially. So, you know, we'll, we'll see how we go in the next month or two of football. But my team of the week for round 15, as we wrap this up and getting to my representative Preview, um, at fullback, I've got Jake Avarillo from the Canterbury Bulldogs. The jury's still out for me whether he's you know, going to be a full-time fullback, but he was outstanding for them. Two tries. He was one of their best players in that big win over the West Tigers. My wingers are Brian Toe this week and Michaeli Ravalala. I thought they were both outstanding in their team's victories. Both scored two tries and both um, you know, great finishes of the game. Brian Toe, especially over 200 metres as well, um, helping out his bigger forwards in that huge win over the New Zealand Warriors last Saturday night. My centres this week are Valentine Holmes from the Cowboys. I thought it was his best game of the season. Two tries um, really made a nightmare for those mainly outside edges in terms of stopping him, and he came up with some huge plays in relation to that game and helped the Cowboys get over the line. Aaron Shoot over 200 metres, um, a couple tries. He was the outstanding for the Bulldogs in their victory over the Tigers. In the halves, I've gone Cameron Munster from the Melbourne Storm and Ben Hunt from the St. George Illawarra Dragons. I think uh, Munster and his half-partner in Hughes were instrumental in the Storm's victory over the Broncos. The Broncos really took it to them in the first half of that game, but I think it was the halves that really, you know, got the Melbourne Storm out of trouble and, you know, their forwards didn't really lay a platform for them, but I think they stepped up when it mattered um, and... You know, Munster and Hughes really reaped the benefits of that. And I don't think the Storm are playing fantastic football at the moment, but they're doing enough to get wins. And as I mentioned, when they get through this state of origin period, I think they're going to head into the back half of this season stronger than ever. Ben Hunt, as I mentioned, he was my halfback. I think he was the man in the match last Thursday night. One try, two try assists, um, a 40-20. Really controlled the game well with his kicking game. And, you know... The Dragons got over the top of the CF so early in that game or making so many mil metres than the Rabbitohs could barely get any football that when the Rabbitohs started to get back in the game, Ben Hunt was composed and really helped his team ice it and not allow the Rabbitohs to, you know, score more than 12 points and, you know, get anywhere near the St. George or Dragons in that game. My props for the week, Junior Paulo and Blake Laurie, both over 200 metres. Uh, Blake Laurie, I think it was his best performance this year. And Junior Paulo um, really stepped up after, you know, pundits, including myself, criticised him for his game one performance in origin. He only made 35 metres off the bench. He responded in kind in that huge game against the Roosters, 230 metres, um, electric running and um, some good defence to back it up as well. 
My hooker of the week was Lachlan Croker. Of course, Manly went down to the North Queensland Cowboys, but true tries from Croker looked like they were going to be in the box seat. He made 40 tackles, kicked the 40-20. He was everywhere in that second half uh, for Manly, and he you know, was willing them to victory, but it wasn't to be last Friday night. My second role is a Sean Lane from Parramatta for his outstanding on the weekend. Two try assists, 160 metres, 30 tackles. Isaiah Yeo from the Panthers, a try, 155 metres and 40 tackles. While he might be maybe a lock, I couldn't keep Jason Tamalolo, who is my lock of the week out of the team. Over 220 metres, once again, he really led the young Cowboys forward pack, like he has all year, and I thought he was enormous in the Cowboys' comeback victory, especially in that second half against Manly. On the bench this week, I've gone Damien Cook from South Sydney. The Rabbitohs were terrible, absolutely awful, and I'll talk about that more next week before we get into my Round 16 preview. Um, but Cook, 50 tackles, a try, a try assist. He couldn't knock his effort, and I think that, um, you know, he is unfairly, to be honest, being demoted to the bench for this state of origin, but we'll see how he goes uh, with his running game, especially when Queensland's tied, uh, forwards get tied. Jerome Hughes, I've already mentioned, he was outstanding in the Storm's victory over the Broncos. Two tries, and he really, with him and Cameron Munster, really clawed the Storm out of a troubling spot in that game. Joseph Tarpanay from Canberra was outstanding over 200 metres on the weekend. He was their best player. And Nathan Cleary from the Panthers, phenomenal as always. A try, a 40-20, really controlled the game well with his kicking game, similar to Ben Hunt for the Dragons. So that is my team of the week. For round 15, we're going to get into my representative round now. Um, to start it, I'm going to preview the big representative games this weekend. But then my State of Origin Game 2 preview, I'm going to give you my prediction for the game. I'm going to predict my first try scorers and my man of the matches, what I think the margin will be and who I think the X factors that will win the game for both states will be. But before we get to that, please remember to like Steve's NRL footy tips on Facebook that page is the best way to stay notified for the latest updates for the show. We're gearing up for a huge second half of the season, so very crucial to like that that page on Facebook or at least follow it. But also follow my podcast and subscribe wherever you guys listen to your favorite podcast each and every week, whether it be Spotify, Apple Podcast, Anchor. We're on every major podcast streaming platform. Thank you guys for listening to the show. As always, let's get to my representative preview for 2022. All right, so representative round has already kicked off. I've already mentioned the games between Lebanon and Malta in the under-19 State of Origin contest that we saw last night. But tonight, Friday night, 7.45, live on Wynn and Foxtel, it's going to be the Women's State of Origin, the New South Wales Blues versus the Queensland Maroons. And I'm not going to insult anyone, including myself, and embarrass myself by you know, saying that I've got the same knowledge about the women's game that I do the men's game, but I am very excited to watch this game. It's always a highly entertaining game, and the improvement that the women's game has shown since the NRLW has existed over the last five years has been phenomenal. And I think it's a credit to all these ladies involved tonight. Um, obviously, all the big names are involved. You've got uh, Jesse Hesurgis, Millie Boyle, uh, Kenzie Apps. Hannah Southwell, all for New South Wales. For Queensland, you got some big guns as well. Upton, um, Ali Brickenshaw, um, and a few other names that that you know are very, very um, esteemed in the NRLW game. And you know these contests are always entertaining. I mean, I'm not going to spend, as I mentioned, a huge amount of time just because I don't want to insult your intelligence. But I'll be checking it out on Friday night. And I'll be really, um, you know, I don't I don't watch as much NRLW as I'd like to, but you know, 
with with work and and being such a big NRL supporter, it's hard to find time um, for anything other than you know there's eight games a week that the NRL offers, and especially when you're going to go and I try to watch a little bit of Super League as well. But um, I'm very excited for this contest, as I mentioned. I'm excited to see how these women go, and it's you know this game has that rivalry, that state of origin rivalry. To its core in terms that these women give it their all and, and go at each other, sometimes more than the men as of recent times, in my opinion. So um, I just think that New South Wales have the advantage. I think that the likes of Jessica Sergis, um, on those outside backs for the Blues um, might be a little bit stronger there. Then Queensland, I also like um, up front, Millie Boyle and Amps. I think they'll go through plenty of work. Hannah Southwell, they play together for a long period of time in representative teams, these girls. So, um, you know, I think they'll be ready for the for the challenge of Queensland. And if Queensland are to win, I think Abby Ali Brigginshaw, the, the halfback, the acclaimed halfback, is going to have to have an outstanding game. And these forwards that are probably a little bit lesser known than the New South Wales forward pack, we really have to step up and take it to... Um, to the stars of the women's game. But I've got New South Wales just been a bit too strong for Queensland in the women's fixture this year. I've got New South Wales by 12 points. All right, let's move on to um, Saturday. And there's three huge contests in the men's on Saturday. But there's also a women's contest, and that is New Zealand versus Tonga. I'm not going to preview the women's contest. As I mentioned, I know a bit about NRLW. I'm not a... You know, I'm not a person, I'm not an expert at all in that in that game, but I enjoy what I've seen, but I don't really know too much about New Zealand or Tongans women's team. I pretty much only see them play when I see them versus Australia in games like they have at the, the Perth Nines and, and, you know, the the World Cup Nines, I believe it was, the last time that we had it. So, um, yeah, hopefully it's a great game as well, like the women's, and hopefully they keep, uh, like the women's state of origin, let's hope they keep, you know, pushing... Uh, the women's game forward and eventually we see a full-fledged women's world cup and you know 16 teams in the NRLW and the Warriors can find their way back there um, as a New Zealand team for the women's division but as I mentioned on Saturday at 320 it's a huge game in terms of international rugby league it's the New Zealand side the New Zealand Kiwis going up against Tonga um, from 735 and you know these uh, these teams are two of the best in the world it's New Zealand's you know, they've won World Cups before. They've taken it to New South, New South Wales to Australia plenty of times in the past. And Tonga, the last time they played uh, the Kangaroos, they beat them. So I'm very interested to see how this contest goes. You just look at the battle between the forwards here. And the, for New Zealand, the likes of um, the Bromwich brothers, Fisher-Harris, Papalihi, Tarpanay, they're all going against guys like Tamalolo, Kalamatangi, Olakawatu from the bench. Uh, Takiaho, Adam Fanua Blake. There's a mouth-watering contests here. I'm really excited to see those big forward packs go up against each other at 3.20 on Saturday. For me, where the Kiwis have the strength, and it's going to be interesting to see what exactly they do to counteract this Tonga uh, heading into the World Cup. But you look at the Kiwis spawn, Joseph Manu, Dylan Brown, Jerome Hughes, Brendan Smith. That is a well-established and uh, some superstars of the, the game in there. Um, Tonga, on the other hand, they've got Kohler, Staggs, Amone, Havili. Sure, there's some good football players in there, but as an established spine, these guys have never played with each other before. Amone and Staggs, who's going to be doing the majority of the kicking game? Kohler's only very young, so ex- to expect him to... Um, 
to be starting fullback against this huge full, uh, New Zealand side is is a tough ask, and that's where I think Kiwis have the advantage at three twenty. I'm going to back the the New Zealand side by ten points. I think it's going to be highly entertaining, and I actually probably lean towards the Tongan forward pack. But I just feel like the experience of the Kiwis and the game management side will get them over the line. I've got the Kiwis by 10 at 3.20 p.m. All right, let's move on to 5. I believe it's 5.40 um, 5.40 uh, for this contest. And, you know, it's another one of these important games in terms of the World Cup that teams, you know, they want to establish themselves and they want to make an impression. Um, and at 5.40, it's Samoa versus the Cook Islands. I haven't seen the Cook Islands play too much. They've got some first graders in there, like Stephen Masters and his brother Essen Masters, um, Bacora. Um, a couple of guys that I know there, but a lot of them are, are unknowns. On the other hand, the Samoan team is pretty much an NRL side. You've got the likes of Staines at fullback, um, North Luma's in there, Taylor May and Targo, the young, exciting combination there at Penrith Rin, uh, Harris DeVita and Milford are the halves. The forward pack's probably their most impressive, which uh, Sua, Schuster, Tavanga, Mandapia, Alloway, um, so, and Bunty are far off the bench as well. So this is going to be, as I mentioned, two teams that probably aren't, you know, many people are going to think about when it comes to teams that have got a chance in this World Cup, but it's going to be an entertaining game of football. I'm going to go Samoa, um, just based on the experience out of those players I just mentioned. At 750, I've got Papua New Guinea. We've got... Um, are going head to head with Fiji and these two teams, uh, you know, both of these countries, especially Papua New Guinea, is a rugby league country. And I know a lot of Papua New Guinea play uh, fans support this show, and I appreciate that. And it'll be great to see your team in action. And there's some NRL stars for Papua New Guinea as well. You got Johnston, Mead, Olin, um, Lockett, Lambs, the halfback, young, exciting kid, and Kyle Labert's the five eight um, for. Fiji, you've got the likes of Ravalala, Velamay, Wongablay, Sivo, Nagama's in at 5'8", Kevin Nagama, that is. Kikiya's in the side, Tane Milne. Um, so, yeah, there's definitely some NRL stars for both teams, probably more favouring um, the Fiji side in terms of NRL stars, but I know how important um, rugby league is to Papua New Guinea. I know how serious they take it, and for that reason, I'm going to be tipping Papua New Guinea um, to upset Fiji by six points on Saturday night. I think we're up... Um, to, for three exciting uh, men's fixtures on the Saturday afternoon. Hopefully the women's fixtures is highly entertaining as well. I'm sure it will be. Um, but that is my international preview. As I mentioned, it's not going to be long because I don't have the knowledge about some of these teams that I should have, but I'll be eagerly watching on Saturday afternoon and hoping for some good games of football before we get back into the NRL next week. But that is my international preview for 2022 um, for this week's representative round. Now it's time to get into my State of Origin Game 2 preview, and it takes place at Perth on Sunday night from 8pm. All right, so the match we've all been waiting for, and it kicks off at 8pm on Sunday evening from Perth when the New South Wales Blues face the Queensland Maroons in State of Origin Game 2 2022. And I've already mentioned the New South Wales Blues changes. They've got plenty. Crichton's in, Corsia's in, Jake Tarotovic, Matt Burden, Sifa Sifa Talakai, um, extended squad players, and Appy Corsia as well. Extended bench players, we've got Clint Gufson, McLean, Suwali, and Victor Adley, who are all part of the squad for Queensland. Bo Firma joins the squad. Um, the only player new in the squad from Game 1. Um, we've got 
Ruben Cotter and Coates obviously out via injury, but they are the only force changes that Queensland have had to make. And in comes Murray Talangi on one of the wings and making his debut for 2022 in the Origin Arena. He gets a recall is Jai Arrow. So um, some changes for both sides, but obviously New South Wales, the pressure's all with them to tie the series up and force a game free. Queensland would like to end the series here and you know go 2 nil up and go up to Suncorp with a chance at a historic whitewash in Billy Slater's first year as Queensland coach. There's been a lot of talk this week about the ruck speed and, you know, Queensland have been accused of slowing it down, which obviously you wouldn't in a state of origin environment. You want to make it as easy as your, uh, for your team as possible to attack and limit the strike power of the opposition. And that's one of the parts of the game where I think the Blues really struggled um, in the middle of the ruck there um, a couple of Wednesdays ago. They, in my opinion, treated it like... You know, an NRL fixture. They need to be more aggressive. They need to be up in Queensland faces. And I know Queensland has targeted Liam Martin as you know a grub, and they're going to be out to. He's got you know a bounty on his head on Sunday night, but I think he'll take it in stride. And I really expect a response out of these Blues forwards, in particular the likes of Junior Parlo and Jay Trojevic. Um, Payne Huss needs to be at his running best as well. And I just think that Queensland really got the running. Um, in the second half, and the Blues just couldn't find any ribbon last a ribbon last game. The selections by New South Wales have to be questioned by me personally. I feel like um, I don't want to say they're copying Queensland because I don't think they are, but I feel like some of these picks have been reactionary to what we've seen Billy Slater pick with the Queensland side. I mean, you've got Daniel Tupo who gets chosen for his height, basically, um, and the form that he's been in, of course, with the Roosters as well. But a lot of the talk was around his height and why he got chosen on the wing for game one to counteract Xavier Coates. And, you know, he's hiding his ability under the high ball. <clears throat> now we look at game two, and Queensland had so much success in game one with having Ben Hunt start the game and Harry Grant coming off the bench. And, um, you know, Ben Hunt did the hard work in the middle of the field in the first 25 minutes, and then Harry Grant really exposed some of New South Wales' tied forwards um, in the middle of the ruck there. Um, and the Blues, to react that, have picked two hookers of their own. They're going to start with Chorus here um, and have that combination with the Penrith, you know, halves and the Penrith, you know, contingent that's in the New South Wales Blues side, and then have Damien Cook come on the field at his running game and try to expose weaknesses in Queensland's tied forwards because they have some bigger bodies, the likes of um, Carrigan and Kafusi and co. So, um, you know, I, as I mentioned, I don't want to say they're copying him, but I feel like Brad Fittler is very much seeing what Billy Slater's doing and saying, well, I can see if I can take advantage of this as well because we've got the fastest hooker um, in the game in Damien Cook. So um, it's an interesting tactic by him for sure, and some of these other selections are interesting as well. I don't know the value... Um, that we're going to see out of the likes of CSC for Talakai off the bench. I don't know where he's going to come on. I mean, he can play in the outside backs. He can play in the front row. Um, New South Wales were very quick to point that out. But I feel like Angus Crichton's going to come um, into the game before Talakai to replace one of these second rollers. But really, uh, depending on how the game's going, the likes of Cam Murray, Liam Martin and Isaiah Yo are all more than com- capable of playing 80 minutes of footy. So... It'll be interesting to see how he's used. I think Matt Burton's going to be in for a blinder for the Blues. and um, For the Blues to win, I think he's got to really help Cleary's kicking game. Cleary's got to be so much better, him and Luai, both of them, than they were in Game 1. Um, the forwards didn't lay a platform for the Blues, so they couldn't get in their usual rhythm. But 
Cleary and Luai just got no opportunities and didn't really put Queensland under any pressure with their kicking game whatsoever. Um, so they're going to have to be a lot better um, for sure. In you know, in game two, Cleary doesn't have a great track record in terms of try assist in Origin, and both of New South Wales tries were just off running plays. Um, that they scored in game one through Jack Wyden and Cam Murray. So I need the halves to be better if the Blues are any chance. Since Luai, we need to see his running game more. It's been absence at times in um, in big game situations. He needs to find it because the Blues need him more than ever. And, you know, while Tedesco and and the like, Jack Wyden and, and Co. and Damien Cook for his defense were really trying to lift the game, Blues in game one, the onus has to form those halves. Um, and for them to do it, the forwards need to step up. That's why I think they brought in Jake Tarorovic to start the game. I don't think he ever should have been dropped from the Blues game, but he needs to be at his best. Um, Paulo and Croydon, when they come on the field, they need to make a big difference in terms of metres gain. They need to come in with their bigger bodies and really um, target some of these tied Queensland players. And then the Blues are in with a shot. I think Isaiah Yo wasn't at his best in game one. His combination with the Haas are going to be important as well. But in my opinion, just like they have for the last four years, New South Wales probably have more firepower out on that field than Queensland do. It's just about winning that middle of the field, um, that ruck area. The forwards need to really control that and get over the top of the Queensland forwards um, early and need to maintain that for 80 minutes, which they couldn't do in game one. And then I think we're going to see plenty of points scored by New South Wales. You look at the outside backs and that left-hand side of Luai, Matt Bird and Brian Toe, it's electric, and Queensland are going to be really struggling to contain it for 80 minutes of football to the point where, you know, I think that those players in particular could have a field day out there. So um, for, for New South Wales, they have to show more heart. They need to be more composure, better game management, and those forwards need to really start on the right note. They can do all those things. I truly believe we can get a game-free decider up there at Suncorp. For Queensland, I just think they've got to continue to do what they've done to get to this position. Billy Slater, as I mentioned, done a great job at really showing the players what it means to step into that Queensland jersey. They've got such a rich history, and I'm sure that Billy Slater, Cameron Smith, and Thurston have really instilled that into the Queensland minds. They're playing for more than themselves. They're playing for the whole public, the whole state of Queensland, and that, you know, while Queensland have had such a dominant period of success over the last 20 years that, you know, New South Wales used to lap them up for fun and used to put a cricket score on them every time they played and, um, you know, pre the state of origin. And I think they really put, um, you know, the history of the game into these players' heads and made them realise that this is their opportunity to, you know, um, be put down in the history books for a long time. And I think that Queensland showed that in game one. They they were more enthused. They played with more heart. And um, you would expect nothing more from the Maroons again. I mean, Cotter's going to be a huge loss because he does a lot of defensive work. But I think Jai Arrow is going to be ready for a big game and to prove that he belongs in this Origin team because he seems to be on the outer. I don't think his form has been great at CF Sydney this year. And to be honest, he probably didn't deserve to get picked in game one. But I think he'll have a... A monster effort off the bench. I think the likes of Carrigan um, and Co just need to keep doing what they were doing in game one. I thought that he was outstanding. I thought that uh, Big Tino Fasula Malali was outstanding as well. Um, and, you know, as I mentioned, they've got that one-two punch of Ben Hunt and Harry Grant. Now, Cook is a very quick player. Um, obviously, he's one of the quickest hookers um, we've ever seen in a dummy half, and he's a really good defender. But I think that Harry Grant's the more creative bench hooker, and 
you know, for me, the best two hookers in this contest are both coming off the bench. And I feel like whoever gets more opportunities there will probably be um, a big difference maker in this game. And New South Wales need to cover the likes of Munster and Grant. Every time they get the ball, Ponga was good in game one as well. So look out for him. But um, those players are really the strength for Queensland. Cherry Evans will control the game well. But if you give Munster, Ponga, and Grant, um, you know, time and space to move, they're going to do great things on the footy field. And I think that their forward's got a lot of grunt. Um, reminds me of the old forward, their forward pack. Reminds me of the old uh, Queensland forward pack with the likes of Webkey and Seven Receiver. Um, so Queensland, you know, are in a good position to tie this series, uh, to win this series before it even goes to Queensland. And I think they're in, a, in the box seat to do it, to be honest. I think... Just like game one where they really um, they really ambushed New South Wales in front of their home fans, I think they can do it again in game two. And, um, it's going to be a tight contest. I can see this game going a number of ways. A big stat to mention is that Brad Fittler is undefeated in games two matches when coaching the New South Wales Blues. He is 4-0. But in saying that... Um, you know, we've seen a lot of series end in the first two games as well. And with Perth being a neutral stadium, I actually think that might slightly favour Queensland in terms of uh, home ground advantages because the the Maria boost they would have got beating the Blues in front of all their home fans at Sydney would be enormous. All right. So who am I tipping in this game? That's the big question. I am actually going to go Queensland. And um, it... Makes me sick to say so. I'm a, a passionate Blues supporter. I hope we can flog them, and I hope we can, you know, take the series up there in Suncorp in a couple of weeks' time. But what Billy Slater has been able to do in such a short time with this Queensland side is nothing short of unbelievable. He was a great player. I think he's going to be a great Queensland coach for a, a number of seasons, and um, you know he's got the support staff around him, and the players just seem to really respond to him very well. Munster's playing, you know, out of this world at the moment. And I feel like um, the, their big forward pack is is willing and able um, to go into the trenches and really take it to this Queensland forward pack. I expect big forwards from Collins and Papalihi. I think um, I think the likes of Kurt Capewell um, could have a man-of-the-match performance here. And I just really think they're going to win this on back on the back of their professionalism and their, and their grunt... Um, at the front of the field. So I've got Queensland winning this game by two points. I think it's going to be a blockbuster game. Please, New South Wales, come out and show me something because I've been disappointed for far too long by as um, obviously the current champs. If you're going to go down uh, and lose this series, go down swinging, take it to the cider. Um, hopefully the Blues can respond on Sunday night, but I've got Queensland being too strong. My man of the match and first try score predictions for all those wondering. First try scorer, uh, for me, I think the Blues will start this game strong, just like they did in game one. I think they're going to be able to prove a point. And while well, I think Queensland might win the game, and hopefully they don't, um, I think that the Blues, um, through Matt Burden or Brian Toe, can score the first try. I think those are the um, obvious picks for me for first try. I think that left-hand side, it was the left-hand side of the grand final, where the Panthers beat the Rabbitohs. Matt Burden scored the first try in that game. I think he can do so again. Burden's 14 bucks, Toe's 10 bucks. Be on any of them, I think you'll have a good night. But um, in particular, for me, Matt Burden. My man of the match, um, for me, is going to be Isaiah Yo, Cameron Murray for the Blues. If they're to win for Queensland, I've got um, Cherry Evans. I think he's going to be um, crucial. And I've also got Kate, Kurt Capewell. So those are my pick for the man of the match. I really think that this game is going to be won um, 
by you know just a couple of plays. I think that these two teams are evenly matched. Um, but at the end of the day, the team that wins that forward battle and the team that gets the advantage um, in terms of yardage and and puts the other team on the back foot, momentum's a hard thing to change in, in any game of rugby league, but in particular State of Origin. For mine, if Queensland can survive that initial onslaught, that you know that the Blues are going to be you know, really pumped up and ready to go to start this game after losing game one. I feel like they can get at the front for the Blues and win this game of football. All right, that's my preview for game two. Hopefully we are talking about a potential decider next week, but I've got Queensland with the upset victory by two points. What do you guys think? Um, who do you think is going to win State of Origin game two? Let me know. And thank you guys for listening to Steve's NRL Footy Tips as always. I'll see you guys next week as we get back to our regular scheduled programming with our Round 16 preview. Enjoy State of Origin, guys. I'll see you guys next time on the show.